thank you so much for opening up your Bibles to the passage that we had just read. In Psalm 90, Moses speaking, and um, we've been speaking for the last two weeks about being truly satisfied in God. And uh, we were speaking about that when we are satisfied in God, our lives take on the correct shape and we're able to follow the Lord as we should be. We will enjoy other things to its max because Jesus is on his throne, but also he is Lord within our hearts. And that's the best place for us to camp, and that's the best place for us to be. And so um, we want to carry on with our series speaking about being satisfied in God. And over the last few weeks, we were talking about what it looks like. We were talking last week about Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, where Jeremiah, around being 20 years old, being called to be a prophet, speaks into the nation of Israel and saying to them that they had forsaken the fountain of living water and they have hewed out cisterns Broken cisterns which can hold no water. Basically pointing the nation of Judah back towards God. And to say to them, return back to your first love and be satisfied with the water that he gives us to drink. Eat the food, the bread that he places before you because that will sustain you. And he was saying to the nation here, um, don't look around. Don't replace, as it were, Jesus from being the fountain that you drink from. You see, my friends, there are many wells that we can drink from, many fountains. And some of those fountains that we drink from will only satisfy us for a very, very short little time. And Jeremiah says, guys, when you start doing that, that fountain becomes like a cistern, a broken cistern which leaks and doesn't produce the pure water that Jesus gives that truly satisfies the soul. So we looked at that last week, and um, the small group spoke into that, and we're so thankful for that. But what I would like us to do this morning is to look at four words, again within the book of Jeremiah, that we looked at last week, um, that will help us to understand what it looks like to be truly satisfied in God. And so would you turn to Jeremiah chapter 2? And uh, we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 3. And again, we want to make sure that over this season, although it's such an uncertain season, a disrupted season, that we make sure that we drink from the well, the spring of living water, and that we get our satisfaction from him, firstly. Um, and so what does this satisfaction look like? I'm so aware that when we talk about these spiritual things, that particularly for many men, 
Because we as men, we deal with logic oftentimes, and I'm being very general here when I just say men. Um, I'm sure that there are ladies who feel that way too, but oftentimes men battle with abstract terms. Uh, you know, we want to feel, we want to see for us to understand. And so when we say, well, you've got to be satisfied with Jesus, certainly some men would say, well, how does that look? You know, and there's a wonderful scripture that sums up sometimes the way that, that I feel as a man and, and that men generally feel. So ladies, just, just be patient with us men just for a few minutes. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, the scripture says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I must admit, sometimes for us as men, because we do not see God, it is hard tangibly for us to love him. And even though we do not see him, it is hard to believe in him. And this morning, I want to be really, really practical with us and just look at four words that will definitely keep us satisfied in God, but also will help us to see what it looks like truly to be satisfied in God. Because if I had to ask you, what does it look like to be satisfied in God? You know, we'll get so many different answers from people. And in the small groups, you know, they have given so many different answers to it. And I think it's been incredibly helpful. But when we look at Jeremiah chapter 2, there's four specific words that I think characterizes for me what it means to be satisfied in God. And so let's have a look at these four words and um, just see what it tells us, and says, Jeremiah chapter two, verses one to three says this. The word of the Lord came to me, and this is Jeremiah speaking. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Now, as you can see in Jeremiah chapter 2, there's 10 pictures that the prophet uses to describe Israel's state. And this picture is the first one, and he uses that of the unfaithful bride or the unfaithful wife. And then, of course, we saw in Jeremiah 2.13 that the second picture that he used here was that of a broken cistern that Israel had become because they had forsaken the fountain of living water. And there are eight other pictures, if you read, in the book Jeremiah chapter 2 that he uses like like a vine, he uses a wild animal, and so on. But this morning, I would like us to look at this first picture in um, verses one, two, three. And so he says, this is what the Lord says, I remember the devotion of your youth. And this is God speaking to Israel. And he takes them back to that time where he entered into a covenant 
relationship with them. A covenant relationship of marriage. And every time when I think about a covenant relationship of marriage, it is such a joy for me to look back at my marriage with um, my very special Jenny. Um, We got married 27 years ago, and she truly is a wonderful grace gift to me. And I remember that day when we stepped into covenant with each other. I understood that God had given me a prized and a very precious gift. And um, 27 years later, she's still my very prized and very special gift. And the way I treat her is as a grace gift or to be taught. I didn't deserve her. It was God's kindness that he gave her to me as a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift. And when I think about Jenny, I think about the way that God feels towards his people, his church, that he entered into a covenant relationship with you and that covenant was sealed with blood as is when two virgins come together on their marriage day and blood is spilt on that day. Jesus did the same on the cross. Blood was spilt on that particular day when Jesus died. His blood spilt to cover our sins and that is where the covenant relationship With you and I, his church was sealed. And he says to Israel here, he says, Israel, I sealed you with my covenant love. You're my prized gift. And he says, in return, I remember the devotion." Of your youth. He says, when you were but still young, Israel, he says, your devotion towards me just brought such love to me. He says, your devotion to me was so special. He says, the communion we had, the fellowship we had, the intimacy that we shared was indeed so special. And he said, I remember those moments. And so we see here that here is a beautiful picture of marriage. Marriage between God and his people. And all through the word of God, you'll find that this analogy is used between Christ and his church. That's why marriage is sacred between a man and a woman. Marriage is God's way to fulfill our lives in him. And he understands that we need human companionship. And he created the male and he created female and he brought the two together so that there can be satisfaction that is found not only in each other, but in him. Because he's the third person, isn't he, that seals the covenant with us. The three strands that the Song of Solomon speaks about. Three chords that cannot be broken. You, your wife, or your wife, your husband, and God. And so we see here that Jeremiah speaks to the nation and he reminds the nation through these prophetic words and he says, 
God remembers your devotion of your youth. As a bride, you loved him and you followed him through the wilderness. The wilderness is just when circumstances weren't ideal. The wilderness is kind of like the times that we live in. He says, you followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. That means Israel was consecrated, was set apart for him and for him alone. The first fruits of his Harvest. And so he speaks with such passion to the nation of Israel. I remember when Jenny and I decided to accept the call to come to this wonderful continent and to this wonderful land of Switzerland. And when we were talking about it, how she was so excited to follow the call that God has placed upon our hearts to come to Switzerland. We understood that at times we would be in a wilderness experience, it would be tough, but she was very happy to follow me through this wilderness, and at times I followed her through this wilderness. And um, we experienced through it the wonderful goodness of God. But when you look at this passage of scripture, for us truly to be satisfied as a bride is satisfied in the love of her husband. My friends, there are four words that I just want us to focus on this morning. Remember, Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's this marriage relationship that he speaks about. And so the first word that I want us to look at, and again, men, specifically for you and I, so that we can get a hold on this relationship that God cherishes with you and I, but ladies, of course, you as well. But the first word is just the word devotion. You will see here that Jeremiah says, I remember the devotion of your youth. For us to be truly satisfied in God, we must be devoted to And I love the word devotion. I prefer actually the word devotion to the word commitment, although the word commitment is biblical, but I love the sound of the word devotion because it has a relational ring to it. It has a ring of of mutual satisfaction. And so, uh, you know, for me to say I'm really devoted to Jenny is a beautiful thing. It means with my heart I love her. With all that is within me, I adore her. I'm devoted to Jenny. And um, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. And that's the word devotion. It is a higher level of committed commitment when we devoted commitment in the beginning of our walk with Christ is an interesting one because we've got to be committed to things but out of that commitment there is a devotion that takes place and my friends that looks a whole lot different when we devoted to him I see people who are committed to the concept of Christianity and then I see people who are devoted to Christ and my friends that looks very different I want to make sure that I stay in that place of being truly devoted to him. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 44 says this. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrinal teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which we're going to have next Sunday, so just get ready with your juice or your wine and your bread at home because we'll have breaking of bread together next, next week. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. My friends, when we become devoted to Christ, the outflow of that is that we love to hear the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. We love to fellowship together. That's why I encourage you to be a part of a small group, definitely. To the breaking of bread, when we come together, we honor Christ together, even in this way where we'll have to do it from our homes and to prayer. You see, devotion to Christ flows out in us praying together. And this is what they did here. That's why Tuesday nights is probably the most important development within our church where we're praying every single week. And we would encourage you to join us because as we devote ourselves to Christ, the outflow of that is that we hear God's word to us. We fellowship together. We don't sit in our small little corners just by ourselves. You know, there was a little song when I grew up. It says, you in your small corner and I'm in mine. In Afrikaans, ye in yo klein hookie and ak in may. You know, it, 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 that's not fellowship. Fellowship is making sure that we connect with one another. We can't do it here on Sundays at the moment, although we're trusting that soon it will happen, but we've got to make sure that as we are devoted to Christ, we fellowship with one another, we break bread with one another, and we pray together with one another. My friends, devotion to Christ characterizes itself in us praying together. Join with us on Zoom on Tuesday evenings. And that's what the word devoted is all about. When we recognize the worth of something, that is when we become devoted to that thing. Agreed? When we recognize the worth of Christ, that's when we become devoted to him and the things that he prizes and sees as important. And just very practically on the word devotion. What we spend our time on reveals what we are devoted to. Let me repeat that. Sometimes we as men, we get it the second time. What we spend our time on reveals what we truly devoted to. So that's the first word for us to become truly satisfied in God. As Jeremiah speaks to the nation, he says, I recognize your devotion when you were young. Do you remember that devotion that you had towards Christ when you were younger? Very, very important. Second word that is very important is the word Love, he says, I remember you, the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me, Jeremiah 2, 2. How as a bride you loved me. And I remember 
in my relationship with Jen. Oftentimes, in the formative years of our marriage, you know, we concentrate on those small little things that are important to each other. And sadly, as we get a little bit older in our marriage, we don't concentrate on those small little things within our marriage. And for Jen and I, within the context that we live, we work together every single day, we live together every single day, we sleep together in one bed every single day, and oftentimes familiarity can sometimes cause us not to do the small little things that we should do for each other. And so I was just saying to one of the friends here who's helping with our projection this morning, I just said to him, in the mornings, I make coffee for Jane while she's still in bed, and I take it for her. And then in the evenings when she climbs into bed, I will take her tea before she falls asleep. And you say, well, why do that? My friends, it shows something practically of my love for my very, very precious bride. And there are some things we can do that shows our love to our bride. My friends, in our relationship with God, it is similar. It sometimes are those small little things that we start doing in our relationship with Christ that shows our love to him. He says, I remember as a bride how you loved me. I think that's, that's a sad statement because that memory should still be fresh today. Yesterday is not good enough, although the covenant helps us with that. But the practical outworking of our devotion becomes true love as we love each other. And so I really do believe that in the things that I do, not that it is works righteousness, but it is one way as a man that I understand how I can love my wonderful Lord and my wonderful Savior is by going back to those small little things that I used to do. And I remember as a teenager, just my heart was so overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus and his goodness and grace to me. And I remember that I would go to almost every evening at the age of 14, 15, every evening of the week I would go to some kind of a church meeting, different churches. And I think that's partially what qualified me to come to this church because there are so many different denominations represented here. So I went to different denominations every night and just so enjoyed it. My schoolwork suffered, but certainly my spiritual life just soared with all of these wonderful Christians. And I remember I was playing tennis and doing all of those things that I loved. And I played tennis with an older gentleman. He was he's, he's a very, very, very special man to me. Um, him and his son were still best friends, and his name is Denzel Frankus, and he's, he's well up in age, and we used to play tennis together, and Denzel and I would go to the tennis courts, and we were supposed to play tennis together, but for the first half an hour, Denzel and I would just, just talk about the things of Jesus, we would just talk and there would be such a sense of satisfaction that would come out of our hearts. You know, because he had met the Lord just a few years earlier. I had met the Lord, although he was much older than I am. Age didn't matter because Jesus was central to our devotion and our love. 
And then finally, when we got onto the courts, we would play. And then his wife, Margie, wouldn't be too happy because Denzel would be late for dinner. My parents obviously knew I was going to be late for dinner. But when you married a little bit differently and Denzel would get home and he was late for dinner and Margie wouldn't be that happy. But you see, those are the small little things that we do when we're in love with Jesus. You want to talk about him. You, you want to do certain things. Um, embarrassing yourself is not a big thing. You humble yourself. You see, that's what love is about. With Jenny and my and our marriage relationship, you know, it's not like, well, this morning I'll bring you coffee, tomorrow, tonight you've got to bring me tea. No, I love doing those things, irrespective of whether she does it or not. See, that's what love is. Very sad scripture, which you found in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have, you have forsaken your first love or the love that you had at first. Consider how high you have fallen. Then he says, repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, who I also hate. You know, and so, John says in the book of Revelation, he says you could do all of these wonderful things, but when Jesus is not number one, when he's not on the throne, he says you're falling from a high place. And he says you need to repent, turn around and get that relationship sorted out. And just the practical application here is this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My friends, if my heart is with Jenny, then my heart is going to stay with Jenny. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He says, she's my treasure. Some men would call their wives trash. A shorter version of treasure. Maybe it's a good idea for all of us to call our wives trash. Meaning treasure. You're my treasure. Because if my wife is my treasure, that's where my heart will be also. My friends, Jesus is our treasure. That's where our hearts will be. And then he not only says that when we are satisfied in God, we will be devoted to him, we will love him, but he also says that we will follow him in this passage of Scripture. Listen here, he says, I remember the devotion of your youth, as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land, not so. You know, that's the beautiful thing about following. You see, the reason why we're following is because we wouldn't naturally go there by ourselves. So we need to follow someone else, and that's Jesus. A moment when we are not satisfied in Jesus, 
we start following other things and we lose our way. Jeremiah says to Israel, you're no longer following God. You're following other people and you're following other things. And so you're losing your way. And particularly here, the emphasis is, is you followed me through the wilderness. It means through a land that was less than ideal, through a land where there were dangers. But that was the way to go. And you still followed me when things were tough. Things are tough now, my friends. But we must be clear who we are following. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And this is the practical application here. People will take you places where you wouldn't necessarily want it to go. So be careful who you follow, even more so at this time. Be careful which wells you drink from. Be careful which voices you hear and listen to. And be careful who you follow, because you'll end up in places that you didn't necessarily want to go to. And this is what Jeremiah is saying to Israel. He says, Repent from your ways. Turn your heads away from who you are following and following, follow Jesus again. And he'll take you where you need to go. And then lastly, as we close, Jeremiah says to the nation of Israel, he says, you were holy to the Lord. He says, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruit of his harvest. And you know, my friends, when we look at devotion, when we look at love, when we look at following God, that's when the word holy becomes a wonderful word. Not a curse word. Holy becomes something that we want to be and something that we aspire to. After. You see, we become like what you are connected to. If you're connected to your painful past, that is what you're going to become like in your old age. Got to deal with your painful past so that as you grow older, you can become what Christ wants you to be like. What you connected to will determine what you become like. Holiness means that we are separated from our past. We are separated from our past hurts. We're separated from our past disappointments. We're separated from the past examples that weren't helpful. We turn our faces back onto God and we connect with him and he heals our past 
and it becomes fresh and new. He comes and he is faithful and so we become faithful within our lives. My friends, it is amazing when we are connected to God that we start to become like him and we start to act like him. That's the only way that holiness comes to us is when his holiness becomes a part of it and that happens only when we are truly connected to him. I'll close with the scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 says this. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, what is dishonorable? It is those things that do not please God. A foul temper, bad moods that you and I have, etc., all of those things. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work.